Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it, until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm going to get you ready mentally for the election. This Hunter Biden stuff getting actually worse for Joe Biden. And finally, a movie trailer I can get behind. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. I was at a party on Saturday night. I'm not trying to brag, but I know people. Sometimes we gather with other people. And this was not a political event. It was just a small neighborhood gathering. Certainly not a a burning rager or anything. But while I'm at this party, I'm outside hanging out with my buddies. Music was a little loud. And I look inside, and one of the neighbor ladies is staring right at me. And I see her see me and starts marching right for me. And she looks like she has something serious on her mind. I'm wondering, did I leave the toilet seat up in the house or something? I'm wondering what's happening. She's marching right at me, marches right up to me. She says, I need to talk to you for a minute. Oh, okay. And now I'm thinking, right? Uh Uh-oh, which one of my boys broke their window with a baseball or something? Pulls me aside and she says, I'm really, really worried about this election and I need you to tell me everything's going to be okay. So if she's in that place, I have to assume many, 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 many of you are in that place. I'm picking it up all over the place. It's all over social media. I have family members texting me, friends calling me. Hey, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Tell me this. Tell me that. Allow me to get you ready. All right? One. Donald Trump is going to win the election. Just my own prediction. Obviously, anything can happen. 
But understand this, as I've told you before, my viewers already know this, sitting presidents get reelected. That's just the general rule. I know there are exceptions. I understand Bill Clinton beat George H.W. Bush. He had a third party candidate, a significant one to help him do that. Also, there are exceptions like Jimmy Carter. Well, when there are gas lines going around the block and interest rates at 20% and you have a phenom on the other side, obviously it can happen. So I realize there are exceptions, but sitting presidents can get reelected. If sitting presidents don't get reelected, there at least is normally a phenomenal politician on the other side. Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton. Don't throw anything at the TV. Bill Clinton was a phenomenal politician, and even he needed a third-party candidate to help him beat George H.W. Bush. He loses that election without Ross Perot. All that said, I think Trump wins because Joe Biden sucks so bad and Donald Trump's a sitting president, and it really comes down to that. And let me tell you something else. <clears throat> if you hadn't seen a single poll number, not one, let's just say I could blank those out of your mind, who would you say is winning this election? You see the energy out there. You see the rallies. You see the debates. If you didn't see a single poll, who would you say is winning? Joe Biden called it a lid on in-person campaign events for the last nine days of his election. I have never seen anything like that in my life. He is nine days away from potentially becoming the president of the United States of America, the leader of the free world, one of only a few men who've ever led this country. And he went home and he's not leaving again until election day. Wrap your mind around that. That guy not beating Donald Trump. However, I know you think I'm the Oracle. <laughs> You're certainly right. I did give myself the nickname, who would know better than me? I know you think I'm the Oracle, but obviously Joe Biden could win. You, you, nobody really knows for a fact. But let's say Joe Biden wins. Well, let me ask you something. This is going to get a little dark. Just hang with me. If you were going to die in a month, you have some brain-eating amoeba or something like that, and you're going to die in a month. Would you want to know or would you not want to know? Of course you'd want to know. I would want to know a status on where I am. I mean, what would you do? If I was going to die in a month, brain-eating amoeba, oh, no, that's terrible. I'd come do one more of these for you so I could look you in the eye and say goodbye. Thanks for the memories. And I'd ride off and I'd hang out with the fam for a month, make as many memories as I could, and psh, check out. I'd want to know. So I know where I stand and can plan accordingly. Everything I told you about sitting presidents getting reelected is a fact. That part is a fact. So given all these circumstances and given the history of it, if this Democrat candidate, however you feel, Republican or Democrat, whatever you are, if Joe Biden is able to unseat a sitting president, a sitting president who's signing peace deals that nobody's ever done before, a sitting president who, was, who presided over the greatest economy in American history, if not the greatest one of them. Oh, I understand he's rude and brash and people don't like this and don't like that. I get that. But on the whole, Donald Trump's a good president. Very, very good. If Joe Biden can hide in his house and beat Donald Trump, it's not ideal. I realize that. It's terrible. It sucks. I'll be, I'll be doing an election night special right here, licking my wounds on live television with you that night if it happens. I'll be bummed with you. I'm not telling you it's fine. But doesn't that tell you where we are as a nation if that happens? And isn't that in and of itself beneficial? Doesn't that tell you all you need to know about the American electorate, where it's moved, about the power of the American media, about the power of social media? It's a rough health assessment. Yeah, you got a brain-eating amoeba. You're about to die. That sucks. But I'd rather know, and so should you. And let me just tell you this. I'm making a vow to you right now. 
at some point, a Democrat is going to get elected president. Uh, that sucks. I know it's true, but they are. And look, maybe in eight days. If it's Joe Biden or somebody 10 years from now, I'm telling you right now, I'm still going to be here talking to you, Lord willing, every single night. I am not going to scream and yell and make you more miserable and stressed out every night. I remember what it was like eight years under Obama. And I remember what it was like flipping through the channels or the radio. And everybody's mad because it sucks. You're not, the country's not going the direction you want. And everybody's screaming and yelling. And you finish an hour of TV. And you're ten times as stressed out now as you were beforehand. I will not do that. I will not do that. We are still going to laugh. Obviously, there are going to be times I'm going to be upset. But we're still going to laugh. We're going to march through this, and we'll be fine. If Joe Biden wins, and I don't think he will, but if Joe Biden wins, all right, that's where we are. That's who we are now. Life goes on. We will get through it together. See? I knew you'd feel better. Now, one thing I find bizarre is the Hillary Clinton thing, and this is what I mean. I understand that I can't relate to the ruthlessly ambitious Clintons and many people out there who are just, they'll die. They'll, they'll carve out their own mother's kidneys in order to be in power. But this is a woman, again, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. This is a woman. She was first lady of the United States of America for eight years. If that's all you did, that's cool. And then she was a United States senator from New York, one of the most powerful states in the country. And then she was Secretary of State of the United States of America. That is awesome. And all that matters to her, apparently, is that she did not get elected president of the United States. This woman will not go away. Go away, woman. Nobody wants to hear you talk. But nevertheless, she's here. It makes me literally sick to my stomach to think that we'd have four more years of this abuse and destruction of our institutions and damaging of our norms and our values and lessening of our leadership and the list goes on. What does that mean? Destruction of our institutions? Barack Obama and the Clintons completely reshaped all of our cultural institutions and they had help obviously from the media and Hollywood and otherwise. Donald Trump is the return to normalcy for so many. But in their minds, that return to normalcy is abominable. Also, I understand it's going to be embarrassing if Joe Biden is elected president of the United States. How embarrassing? Well, I want you to picture this campaign gaffe I'm about to show you. A new one. Oh, I know. It's a brand new one. I want you to picture four years, one year of this on the world stage, talking with world leaders, national events. It's going to be embarrassing. This is the most consequential, not because I'm running, but because who I'm running against. This is the most consequential election uh, in, a, in a long, long, long time. And the character of the country, in my view, is literally on the ballot. What kind of country we're going to be? Four more years of George, uh, George uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. George. George, who? George. People, people screw up. Look, I talk for four hours a day, three on the radio, one on TV every single day, Monday through Friday. I know you're going to find this shocking. Even I don't say the right words sometimes. However, screw-ups this, this big from the President of the United States of America, that's really going to suck. Which, again, back to my original point. If that guy is able to beat Donald Trump, okay, that's where we are. And you know what people forget about Joe Biden because the media is out selling this nice guy routine so hard? Joe Biden's nasty. Remember all the clips I've showed you about him snapping at media people? Nasty. Snapping at supporters, potential supporters. Remember when he called the one guy fat? Well, now he's calling people chumps. I'll work as hard for those who don't support me as those who do, including those chumps with the microphone out there. <laughs> Look. 
those chumps with the mic. <coughs> he keeps doing that. He did that at the debate the other night, too. It's not about red states and blue states. I'm going to be president of the United States. Also, everyone who's had problems, those are the people in the red states. Obama did this all the time. He was famous for it. And, of course, the media lets him get away with it. Oh, stop being partisan. Everybody wants to play political games. Stop playing political games and just do all the Democrat things that I want to do. But look, at least, uh, at least Kamala Harris will take over once Biden craps out after about a month. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I, somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But. Yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So are you going to bring the policies, those progressive policies that you supported as senator, into a Biden administration? What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. (laughs) The laughing. She's always doing this. It's like there's some kind of glitch in the robot or something. Whenever she's asked a hard question, Democrats are so used to just getting tossed softball after softball. When she's pressed on anything, she does the weird laughing. It's creepy. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We got a great, great show for you tonight. We'll be back. This Hunter Biden stuff, emails, connection to Joe Biden, it got worse over the past couple days. And I understand you watch this show with your kids. I'm not going to elaborate on everything else that came out, but it does not paint Hunter Biden in a very good light. I'll put it to you that way. Plus, I don't generally do the personal gossip stuff for anybody. I just don't care about it. But it is a big deal. And remember, this is not a Republican disinformation campaign. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Delaware State Police, there are at least four copies of this hard drive out there now. Multiple people can see it and confirm it and put their eyes on it and hands on it. We know this stuff to be true. Now, that doesn't mean it's actually going to move the meter when it comes to the election. I don't think it will. I think this is one of those things that will give people a moment of pause. Maybe they'll have heard about it, but let's be honest. Media has blacked it out. Social media has blacked it out. I'm not going to go into all that again, but let's keep in mind, the New York Post broke this story. They're still locked out of their Twitter account for breaking this story, this story that's been confirmed. That's how Orwellian things are now. So with the freeze out and the fact that it's hard to explain I don't think it's effective. And I'll be honest with you. I find that frustrating. Now, that's because I'm a political nerd, as you are, because you're watching me right now. So you're more than happy to comb through the, okay, well, this email said this. Hang on. Uh, that, when you merge that with this one, he's obviously talking about this guy. and The, the normal person, you already lost them. Their eyes are glazed over. You lost them completely. So they can't. It's hard to get people to follow along with and realize how bad it looks. And the simple truth is this. Hunter Biden is a man with a, a long list of problems. And I'm not even going to pile on the guy. We all know somebody who struggles mightily with addiction and other things. God bless them. I hope they get the help they need. But the truth is Joe Biden, very obviously, if you look into this at all, used his position as vice president to get a lot of money in his son's hands. And if you read the emails, his son was required to kick some of that money upstairs to Joe. These are facts. We know them now. And not only is there a media freeze out, Joe Biden is allowed to get away with saying things like this when he's asked about it. 
from what I've read and know, the intelligence community warned the president that Giuliani was being fed disinformation from the Russians. And we also know that Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. And so when you put the combination of Russia, Giuliani, the president together, um, it's just what it is. It's a smear campaign because he has nothing he wants to talk about. His, what is he running on? What is he running on? A smear campaign? And it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to have the reporter just, yeah, that, that must suck. Sorry, sorry you're being smeared. He gets away with this time and time again. Oh, no, nobody said he did anything wrong. He'll, he'll yell that at people. Well, what are you talking about, Joe? We're, we're all we're reading the emails. Everyone said he did anything wrong. No one said he did anything wrong. It's weird. And you know what else is weird? Journalists who spent the last four years whining about Donald Trump treating them poorly, constantly just laying down and taking it when Democrats scold them like Joe Biden does here. Okay, uh, Mr. Biden, if I can. Sure. Uh, questions of controversy continue to tell you about Hunter Biden, your son's... Uh, there is no controversy about my son. It's all a lie. It's a flat lie because the president has nothing else to run on. If you notice, and while American people are talking about what's happening to their families, he has no plan. In the debate, he has no plan. Everything from the Wall Street Journal, every other major news outlet has said what he's saying is simply not true about my son. But it's it's classic Trump. Classic Trump. Wait, what? How's that an answer? And again, take the stupid mask off. You're 90 feet away from everybody. Take the stupid mask off. Good freaking grief. Chris Wallace, to his credit, hammered away at Gretchen Whitmer about it. Governor, I respectfully, I do, I do need to ask... Governor, I do need to ask you this, though. There is evidence. It may be that Biden didn't take money, but clearly uh, his brother, his son were involved in business dealings. There was talk about the Biden name. Uh, one, wasn't that inappropriate for that to be going on while he was vice president? It sure sounds like influence peddling. And doesn't he owe a fuller accounting? You know, Chris, I think that uh, Joe has sat for questions. He has answered these questions. The American people aren't going to be distracted from the fact that this election is about the dinner table issues. And the dinner table issue of 2020 is a Trump administration that has never been able to have a national strategy on COVID. They get away with this all the time. Well, he's already answered the questions. We just played the interview for you. He never answers the questions. Ah, it's Russian disinformation. It's maddening. It can get maddening. Ah, well. Like I said, I don't think it's ever going anywhere anyway. Now, let me tell you what is going somewhere. Home title theft. Home title theft is ramping up, not down. This is the hot new crime in the cyber thief world because it's easy money for them. And by the time you find out you've been robbed... They're long gone with the cash. They hack in, they get your home title, which is online, they forge your signature on it, they take a loan out against it. You have to pay that home loan back. Not your home insurance, you are gonna pay that loan back, and they're gone. Home Title Lock is the only thing that will stop them. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up today. They'll shut it down the second they detect tampering. HomeTitleLock.com, use the promo code RADIO get 30 free days of protection. We'll be back. Joining me now, senior policy analyst from the Independent Women's Forum and somebody who's more than happy to argue with me when she thinks I'm wrong. So I'm going to toss Inez Stepman my theory out there. Inez, I am pretty positive Donald Trump's going to win re-election. Sitting presidents get reelected. If they don't get reelected, it's because there's generally a phenom on the other side. Nobody in their right mind would accuse Joe Biden of being one of those things. But if it doesn't happen, I'm trying to comfort people tonight by saying at least we know where we are. I mean, if that idiot can unseat a sitting president who's got a laundry list of good accomplishments, that sucks. But that's where we are as a country now. Where do you stand? Um, well, I'm not quite as pessimistic as, as a lot of people are about this election. Um, 
particularly because I, I just don't think, and I don't even think it's a nefarious thing. Um, I know I know some people think it is um, with the polls, but there, there's two aspects of this that I just, I doubt the polls are really capturing. One is obviously we're all gonna be voting in completely different ways. There's gonna be a different electorate this, this year because of all the different ways in which we're voting. Um, now that that is definitely something to worry about in terms of voter fraud, but it also means that matching up who is or is not going to turn out. Um, I could I could make a dozen different arguments for each side as to whether uh, each side will be helped or hurt by that. So that's one aspect as a technical one. I don't think we know who is going to vote even on sort of normal terms this time around. And the second part of it is a little deeper. There, there is a major realignment going on in American politics. There are groups of, of voters moving across the aisle from both sides. Um, and, and I think that that's something that started in 2016, but is, is continuing to pick up steam and probably um, will reshape both parties over the course of the next several years. Again, this is not something that pollsters, pollsters have to rely on guessing what the electorate looked like in you know 2018 or 2016. And I think in a time of realignment, those kinds of guesses are often you know, not great um, and not as, as good as they might've been, let's say between 2004 and 2006 or, or you know, 2006 and, and 2010. Uh, I think when the electorate is fundamentally changing underneath uh, and, and people are, are moving back and forth between the parties, that's not something that polls can really capture. So I, I don't know who's ahead. I don't know who's gonna win, but I don't think that Joe Biden is nine points ahead or whatever ridiculous numbers uh, we've seen sometimes from some of these polls. I think this is a tight race. And as explain to me, cause I'm gonna ask you both of these, who on the right is moving to the left and why? And actually, I'm, for once, I'm not insulting anybody. I genuinely want to know. You talk about realignment. I don't disagree at all. Who is that voter? Who was, who was the, the career Republican voter who's now penciling in Joe Biden's name? Um, I, I think there, there is a real suburban women phenomenon, educated suburban women who were voting Republican, um, especially in a lot of states like Nevada, Colorado, um, and... and frankly, like Virginia has been completely taken over by by the district, by Washington, D.C., right? But uh, prior to that happening, there were a lot of, of Republican suburban voters. Those voters are, I think, much more de-leaning than they have been in the past. And there's, there's a lot of reasons for that, starting with the fact that this is just one group of voters that Donald Trump's personality does not resonate with, right? Um, but on, on the flip side of the ledger, you have a Democratic Party that's increasingly just blending sort of a, a technocratic neoliberalism with a very, very far left cultural issues. So like a woke neoliberal party um, that is backed by all of America's top corporations, I think is the Democratic Party's future. And if that's the case, I mean, they're not, whether whether whatever happens in this election, you know, long term or medium term, they are not going to retain their Rust Belt working class voters. Those voters are simply completely out of step with the Democratic Party and they are moving into the GOP. Um, and I, I see that as being solidified over time rather than, than withdrawing. I don't think folks who crossed over, the small number of voters who crossed over who made a huge difference in the Rust Belt last time in 2016, I think they're more firmly in the GOP than they were four years ago um, and, and probably bringing more of their union buddies with them. So I think those are those are just two of the categories that are crossing over. Um, but, but generally, I think we'll see ideological realignment in both parties are going to stand for something different than they did 10 years ago. GOP appears to be moving towards populism more, which I hate. I mean, I think populism is dog crap, but I, I, don't, I, don't th I also don't think you can deny the success of it as far as winning elections so far. It appears to be more of a popular party. I mean, let's be honest. The president of the United States can stand up there in debates and say things like, I'm going to protect people with pre-existing conditions and things like that. Is a, that is a populist thing. It's certainly not conservative. Is that what you're talking about? You see the GOP more of a nationalist populist party going forward? Um, I think it's going to be a nationalist party and a more working class party. And again, like you, I'm, I'm very limited in government. I, um, you and I, you know, have hold some unpopular positions, for example, about the uh, uh, complete fiscal unsustainability or, <laughs> of, of various middle class entitlement programs, right? Like Social Security. Uh, those are really deeply unpopular positions in the country. I think where there are the most voters that are up for grabs is actually in a quadrant 
that that gets very little attention until maybe the last four years because Donald Trump did speak to them is people who are are culturally um, conservative. They're worried about the woke left. They're worried about the direction, the cultural direction of the Democratic Party. They feel completely out of step with that Democratic Party that is increasingly a party of, of people who work in Fortune 500 companies and their uh, children who went to college for you know gender studies, right? Um, those folks, though, hold bigger government views. So they're they're not, you know, socialists, but they are definitely more towards the center or even left of center on economic views, certainly far to the left of you and I. And they are moving into the Republican Party. And whether you and I like it or not, that's going to change the Republican Party. It's going to change the platform. I, I see our party is probably making peace with Social Security, making peace with deficit spending. I mean, Really functionally, you and I know this hasn't, this has only been rhetoric anyway. I don't see this as a thing. I don't see it's actually worse for us because it's not like the Republican Party was actually serious about fiscal conservatism. And maybe it'll be better for them not to pay lip service every four years to it. Um, but I, I don't even think we're going to be paying that lip service anymore. I think we're going to be um, changed by an influx of voters. But I think what, what holds, what will hold the future Republican coalition together will be a sense that some some essential thing about patriotism and citizenship is under being under attack and indeed i think it is under attack i don't think that's an exaggeration i don't think it is either i i i see this as very much a uh, now it's not, it sounds really cliche but it's a very much a patriotism versus non-patriotism electorate anymore the democratic party doesn't even necessarily pretend to love the country. I, I don't know that that's, I don't know why that people consider it radical when I say that. They don't even really pretend to love it. The GOP, in turn, goes all in with eight trillion American flags and fighter jets and everything else. I, I, I think that but, that's just what know, we're gonna have now for the future. That's really been interesting in the last, so I'm originally from California and we've been doing this forever. So in California for a long time, at least you know a couple decades, it has been a tell that you are a secret conservative or Republican or libertarian even, um, to put an American flag either on your car or out in front of your house. It was sort of the secret way of, of conservatives like, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I'm one of you too, um, because it had become so unpopular among people on the left to actually express patriotism for the United States, that's now gone national, right? You you can be, I would say you can be 80, 90% sure that when your neighbor puts a, a American flag out in front of their house, um, they're, they're more than likely voting for Donald Trump, right? That's, I don't think that's generally a good thing for the country that patriotism has become the province of only one half of the electorate, but that's the sad reality. Well, Inez, then why are we a country now? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go off on my national divorce thing, as you've yelled at me about before. But in general, if half the people don't want to be here, and I'm not under the impression this is going to be easy or we should have a civil war idiotic talk like that. I'm not under that impression. But if half the people don't want to live here and we're balkanizing in that way, why not just do what every other nation has done throughout history and just move along? Um, well, because if you look at the map, it's virtually impossible, right? And people look at us as, as blue and red states. Um, it's not blue and red states. It's blue and red counties, no. right? And and I I just I think it's completely not feasible um, for us. Even even aside from all of the the other constitutional concerns, uh, um, I do agree with Lincoln. I don't think the Constitution permits secession. So. Um, but, but even aside from all of those concerns, just pragmatically, uh, we are a, a mixed people, right? Like it, it, there really isn't um, this grand sorting. It's starting to happen. Like people are moving out, for example, the, the Republican middle class is moving out of California, mostly into more red areas. Um, so maybe we'll see that kind of, of sorting and maybe federalism will help us take down the temperature of this a little bit through that kind of sorting. But I mean, the, the left has national ambitions. I, I don't I don't see them leaving the red states alone. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think our, our fates are tied together, which is why, as you know, on, on this program and elsewhere, I'm always talking about how the, if conservatives want to survive this, we got to think institutionally. We got to think about education. We got to think about what the voters of 10, 20, 30 years from now are learning because that's why we're in this mess. That's why the American flag has become a political symbol for only half of the political spectrum and the other half thinks that it's a xenophobic, you know, awful jingoistic thing to display the flag of our country. It's because of the education system. It's because of the universities. It's it, this entire sort of cultural moment that we're living through is, is 
payback for ignoring culture and ignoring the institutions that shape culture for the last 20 or 30 years. And we cannot let that happen again. If we have any shot, we cannot let that happen again. We can't let it continue. She's right, people. Inez Stepman, thank you, ma'am. Thanks. All right. As you know, I don't tell you to do crazy things. I generally am the one here telling you, just calm down, relax, we'll figure it out, we'll be fine. And this is another one of those moments. I know you saw the news today about the Dow. I get it. You're doing the same thing I'm doing. Uh, uh, has anyone seen my 401k? Uh, it's gone now. I get, I get it. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to yank all your money out of stocks and bonds. You need to make a gold IRA part of your portfolio. That's all. Get a hold of Gold Alliance. They will walk you through every single step getting a gold IRA. It's really, really easy. Diversify. That's all I'm saying. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. We'll be back. Joining me now to break down all kinds of smart things that I obviously can't break down for you is Chris Wilson. He's a GOP pollster and research. He also did analytics and digital strategy as the director for Ted Cruz in 2016. Chris, why is it hard to poll the American public now? I, I don't understand it. I hear this all the time. I know it's true. People tell me it's hard. I don't understand why it's hard, though. You're the man. Break it down for me. Well, I don't know how hard it is. It's gotten far more expensive due to uh, everybody, you know, giving up their home phone and moving over to these things that uh, we have to call you up on. And we usually try and time it right during as you're starting to eat dinner. And we find that you like that more if we interrupt your dinner time. But it's, mm -hmm. I think if you go back probably a decade or two, it was a lot easier to get people on the phone. There's no question about it. And, and Jesse, what's interesting is we actually had our best response rates since the late 90s uh, at the beginning of the, the shutdown. Because people didn't have anything to do but to talk to us on the phone. So we were doing polls left and right and it got easy. Uh, but today you have to really uh, approach people in multiple modes of interviewing. We still do call landlines. There's about 20 to 40% of people, uh, on, depending on the part of the country that still have one of those. Uh, most of them are on cell phones, but we now also utilize text messaging. We use online surveys. I mean, a typical poll for us, Jesse, will have four to five different manners of collecting observations for the purposes of uh, arriving at interviews. But the final thing that makes it so difficult is something called stratification versus waiting. And it's something I feel very strongly about as a pollster is uh, we have a, a policy that we do not wait if we can keep from it. And there's a famous example in the USC poll that was done in the 2016 cycle where they had uh, one African-American out of, I think, seven that they were interviewing nationally, and he was a Trump supporter. So every time this USC poll came out, it had 16, Trump gained 16% of the African-American vote. And because they were doing it as a panel, and they had to wait it up and make it look like it was a larger portion of the population, they were able to get to answer their interview. It kept being so far off that people just stopped taking their survey seriously. And in fact, they, they discontinued it uh, during the cycle. So I, that's another challenge that exists. If you look at a, a place like Texas, a state like Texas, where uh, it's a very diverse population. Florida's another one, New York's another one. You can't just, if you've got, you're doing a 800 or a 1,000 sample interview, you've got to interview enough Hispanics, enough African-Americans that, that illustrate and that represent their portion of the population. And it's not enough just to call all of them in Houston. It's got to be, it's got to be uh, spread across the state. You stay. You've got to get enough in the DFW area. You've got to get enough in the San Antonio area, El Paso area, things like that. So it really does take, if you think about a thousand interviews, we're like, oh, it's easy. Just call a thousand people. It's far more complex than that. It is spread across geographic and demographic uh, distinctions that have got to be monitored very tightly to make sure that a poll is representative and uh, will tell your client what the uh, represent the actual truth of the situation. Chris, I, you mentioned, you know, the, the credibility of the poll. I, one thing that has absolutely baffled me, and I'm dying to ask you this. I, you see these, these polls come out, and obviously everybody knows the major polling companies, and there are smaller ones, and people do internal, and then the people do ones that are blatantly biased on purpose. I, I mean, I was a candidate myself. I've done it before. But you see these major national companies, they'll be putting out polls, Joe Biden's up 12 points. That's just idiotic. 
And don't you, as a pollster, as a polling company, don't you survive on your reputation? I don't understand why you would publish it. Let's say you do one and it shows Donald Trump up 12 or Joe Biden up 12. Don't you look at that and think, well, okay, we clearly did something wrong. Let's trash it instead of publicize it because these people look like morons now. Yeah, they, they really do. And I'll tell you, I kind of learned in this industry from a, a gentleman by the name of Lance Terrence, who is uh, just a legend in Republican polling. And as he pointed out to me, when you're looking at a margin of error of 5.6%, which is a typical, it was a 300 sample interview, which is what's usually done in congressional districts, one in 20 of those are wrong. And as Lance said to me, you have to be able to look at it. And this is where the art and the science come together. You have to be able to look at it and find that one in 20, throw that one out and redo it. And that is, I think, the difference, uh, Jesse, between a pollster who is, uh, you know, just kind of a, a hack who's throwing out numbers left and right, and those of us who I, I would say most, all of my friends in the industry, I would put in this category. I don't know anybody who falls in the hack side, but they are certainly out there. That if we see a poll that is wrong, we throw it out and we do it again. And uh, it always happens a few times per cycle, and you just kind of know it whenever it comes back. So some of the ones that you're talking about that are done. Uh, by national media organizations, uh, I think are done in a way that, you know, you can interview more Democrats than should be representative. You can interview more Republicans than should be representative. But I, I do believe, and I've obviously got a huge personal bias here, those of us that work for campaigns, we only stay in business if we're right. If you were a candidate, and you know this, if you were, uh, if I sent you a poll that said you were going to win and you lost, you probably wouldn't hire me if you ran again. Uh, and that, that's what happens, I think, is uh, people who are bad at this don't stay in business very long. They tip, typically go find something else to do. And so there's really only four or five polls on, on each side, Republican and Democrat side, that you can look at and know that if they put numbers out, that you know they're good numbers. Now, I'll give you a great example. I'll give some compliments to uh, one of my competitors, but a guy named Glenn Bulger, who put out numbers from North Carolina showing Tom Tillis uh, taking a lead over Cal Cunningham whenever all the local media polling showed that Cunningham was winning. Well, I gotta tell you, I would put my money on Glenn Bolger, even though he's a competitor over the media polling in North Carolina any day of the week. And that's why when we look at these things, I do feel like there is a, uh, there's a bias that's introduced. It's kind of, you can create a herd mentality. People, if they're supporting a, a candidate who's losing, they might be less likely to turn out and vote. If they're supporting a candidate who's winning, they might be more likely to turn out. And, and so that's why I really do get frustrated with some of these, uh, the media polls that I think are, they do put their finger on the scale. They interview a few more Democrats. And, and frankly, I saw a lot of this uh, last, last year in, in 2018 in Texas. As you know, and you mentioned, uh, I worked for Ted Cruz and I saw a lot of bad polling coming out, showing uh, some showing Beto O'Rourke ahead, some showing closer than he, him closer than he was. And uh, I think it's unfortunate because they, they were trying to create a narrative that uh, at some point can become self-fulfilling. You put out enough bad polling showing Beto O'Rourke is, uh, is close enough to win. And what happens, Jesse? He goes and raises $90 million and he's able to buy himself a close enough race to win. And uh, it, it's, you know, that kind of, uh, that type of use of survey research uh, does damage our credibility overall. And I think it's bad for the industry. Explain to me how the electorate has changed. I mean, look, you've, you obviously, you're, it's your job to know it and study it. How has the electorate changed recently, four years, eight years? How have they changed? Well, gosh, that depends on what part of the country you're looking at. And I think it's going to continue to change depending on who wins on November 3rd. You can go back and look at uh, the electorate in 2008 and 2012 and some of the states that Obama won or came very close in that have now become hardcore Republican states. I mean, I'll point to Missouri's one where I don't know if you'll see another Democrat win in Missouri for a long time. That has a lot to do with the evolution that occurs with the voting electorate because of Obama. Uh, the flip side of this is there are some states in that the Republicans had were very strong. You look at Colorado. Colorado was a safe Republican state up until uh, up until really Bill Clinton, and then it started to flip and go the other direction. So uh, the fact is is that uh, you know California is another example. The Republicans won California almost every year uh, up until the mid 90s. And so I think what you see in politics is uh, like anywhere else, the world is a circular place. You have ebbs and flows. And I know what we see today in terms of the electorate changing and places where Republicans may be doing better uh, probably won't be the case if you have a Biden presidency. And you're going to have a lot of places flip back that were that were becoming more Democrat will become more Republican. Uh, a flip side of that is under President Trump, just like we had under President Bush and then President Bush before him, we had some states that were safe Republican states that became more competitive. And that's just the way that it works whenever one party has the White House is because you uh, be when you have that void pulpit, how you use it has an impact 
on voters uh, and causes them to move one way or the other. And I think that's what we're seeing now under President Trump. And I think we'll see it, whether it is under four more years or eight more years, whatever the case may be, it'll start to swing back. Speaking of bully pulpit, I'm of the belief, and I seriously want you to just yell at me and call me an idiot if any of this is wrong. I'm of the belief that in part because of Trump and in part because of Ron DeSantis, that Florida is going to be closer. It's going to be more solidly red than it's been. You know, everybody knows Florida's always a coin flip. I believe Donald Trump has it in the bag, although I get out there and vote if you're in Florida. And therefore, that's part of the reason I think Trump's going to win. I don't see a path for Joe Biden's victory, a realistic path if he can't win Florida. Where am I wrong? Well, I think there is um, there are parts of the state that have become more Republican under Donald Trump. There's no question that uh, the Cuban vote is very pro-Trump, and I think he'll do very well there. He seems to he's drawing large crowds at the villages. You know, Jesse, I'll I'll call myself out here. In 2016, I kind of uh, was dismissive of the the whole crowd theory, oh, because he's getting out large crowds, and uh, Hillary Clinton couldn't get you know a few seniors to in a in a field on a sunny day that it, I didn't feel like it had, it was important. But the academic research shows us that it is. I mean, Green and Gerber have done the seminal studies in this area say that crowds matter and they matter a lot because they do illustrate uh, and demonstrate intensity and enthusiasm behind a candidate. And so I think you look at what Trump has done uh, just in the last few weeks in Florida with the rallies he's had down there, it certainly does demonstrate a level of intensity and enthusiasm that uh, is probably not reflective in the polling. And, and there's no way to reflect it in the polling. So I'm not gonna be critical of Florida polling there, but I, I think you're right. You look at what happened there in 2018, where we won a, uh, Republicans won a competitive uh, Senate race and a competitive, in fact, beating incumbent United States Senator, Rick Scott did, and then Ron DeSantis winning. And I think the way in which he has handled COVID compared to uh, you know, like an Andrew Cuomo or others around the country that have just done abysmal jobs is, uh, is an important, will be ha have a significant impact on the vote in Florida. So I agree with you. I think even though it is very close right now, and uh, this is one area where, you know, Democrats did a great job on uh, absentee ballots. But now what we're seeing is Republicans are closing the gap in early voting. Republicans like to go to the polls or something about us. So we don't like to fill out the, the form. We'd rather go do it in person, probably a lack of trust uh, for the Postal Service. I don't know. But when it gets down to it, as you see, is I think you're going to see Republicans will turn out in significant numbers in Florida. Yes, go vote. And uh, I agree with you. I think you're right that Donald Trump will win Florida. I swear we're going to have this freaking guy on for the whole hour next time. Chris Wilson, thank you, sir. That was awesome. You bet. Thank you, Jesse. Take care. All right. We've got a movie trailer you're going to like. Hang on. Kick back and enjoy this new movie trailer. I certainly did. So let me get this straight. Less than a month to election day, and this is our candidate? Yep. All we have to do is get him elected, and then we can do whatever we want. Stop it. This fall, get ready for a presidential candidate unlike any other. I think we're good. Not good. Ivana Biden, Hunter, I change Weekend at Biden's. How long do we have to keep this up? November 3rd. The best ones have just a little kernel of truth to them. I love how he's always falling towards the woman and sniffing her hair. <laughs> All right. We'll do this again tomorrow. I'll see you then. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit.
That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.